Uh, hello everyone and welcome to Shot River Shots Top 10. Uh, I'm Joe Gastineau and joining me as usual via satellite is Ed Davis. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing very well. How are you this uh, fine evening? <laughs> fine evening slash midnight, my time. Um, yeah, I'm doing good and we're both very, very excited because in as this airs, two sleeps time. We will be covering Sheffield International Documentary Festival, or Sheffield Docfest, as it's more commonly known, uh, which this year celebrates its 20th anniversary, which is quite some milestone. Uh, you've been before, haven't you, Ed? But perhaps um, you're on the other side of the fence, uh, kind of working there rather than being there as press. When I've attempted in the past, it's basically been because I've been working there, because I worked at one of the venues that is one of the sort of key places that holds a load of the stuff that happens at Dogfest. So I would sort of work my arse off for the five days and then try and watch films around uh, the schedule. But now that I uh, don't work there anymore and now I'm coming back as press, uh, this is my first uh, opportunity to kind of immerse myself from the other side, from being the sort of the people I used to hate. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. <laughs> so you're kind of very much poacher turned gamekeeper in this instance. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So this is my uh, this will be my third one covering it as press. Um, I do like being called press, even though it's laughable to consider me <laughs> as such. Um, uh, and it's my fifth one overall that I've been to. I went to two as a punter, so that makes me. I've been to a quarter of all dot fests. Uh, I think I'm about the same as well. I think this will be my this will be my fifth, so I'll have yeah. been to a quarter of them as well. Yeah, cool. Um, so yes, as we're doing our top ten list this week, as uh, regular listeners will know, um, and this time round we thought we would pick. Uh, the top 10 things that we are looking forward to at Dockfest in the coming days and uh, the programme is magnificent isn't it Ed and we haven't had too much trouble um, picking 10 sterling things to look out for No the only thing that was difficult was uh, kind of whittling it down uh, mm. when we, we drew up our sort of long list uh, I think we managed to th- fit in as m- much stuff as possible thanks yeah. to our habit of using very broad terms yeah, we have we have kind of cheated and tried to include two or three things as one entry. So, um, yeah, so that's that's just ha- the only way we could squeeze it all in. So, Ed, are you ready? I am. Cool. Here comes a jingle. Top ten. Right. The, we may as well start at the beginning. And uh, Dotfest this year kicks off uh, with not one, uh, not two. But three amazing opening night events. Last year they had two incredible opening night events, which uh, I didn't think that could be topped. They had uh, British Sea Power uh, doing a live score to the Penny Walcock film. They also had uh, the amazing Searching for Sugar Man, which found itself at number one on our list of uh, best films of last year. But this year they've gone one better, and they've gone for three opening night events. Uh, we have a choice of a film called The Big Melt, which is a film about Sheffield's steel industry, and most importantly, it is live scored by a band headed by Sheffield legend Jarvis Cocker, uh, amongst other people, uh, which I'll get back to later. Then there's a, uh, a film in the evening uh, called uh, Pussy Riot, A Punk Prayer, which is a uh, documentary about the uh, how would you describe him? A kind of like agit prop kind of artsters in Russia. Is that right? 
Yeah, I've seen them described as an art punk collective. Art punk collective, Pussy Riot, uh, which I really need to stop reading as Pussy Rot because that's, that's <laughs> something entirely different. Um, and the the big draw of that film is that uh, we are going to get a exclusive Q and A. Uh, via Skype afterwards with the members of the band that aren't in prison uh, and the um, third film is a kind of a very adventurous sounding um, film called The Summit uh, which is kind of like a I think maybe it's got a little bit in common with Touching the Void um, and the Dotfest people have really used their noggins of how to build atmosphere into the screening by screening the film kind of like 50 feet underground in a cave in the Peak District, the cave being called The Devil's Arse, which that means that that promises to be a very, very atmospheric screening and one that people who are in attendance will never forget. Um, what are you going to, Ed, out of, out of these three films? Uh, I'm going to go for the Big Melt. You, we had the option of choosing between which of the three you'd like to go to, and that one was the one that kind of leapt out to me being a a big fan of, of pulp and um, steel in general. Uh, mm, love steel. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's wonderful stuff. Uh, you couldn't make cutlery without it. Uh, although the cave thing sounds fun, although you're saying of it having a connection to touching the void makes me worry that it's going to be like an experiential thing and the audience will be trapped and they have to kind of decide which one gets cut off and who gets to leave, which uh, sounds entertaining in its own way, but uh, might go on a negative press for the festival. Um, and then... I'm not going to the Pussy Riot um, screening, although you have a ticket for it, but I am going to try and uh, see it at some point over the... Because it's screening a couple of times over the course of the of the festival, so I'm going to... I think I'll try and catch that one on a second screening. Yeah. Um, like I say, the people who are... The draw, real draw of the Pussy Riot screening is the Q&A, which promises to be uh, very interesting, uh, one would imagine. Uh, the I've had um, some inside news, Ed, um, and I've been told that the band lineup for the Big Melt will literally fry your brain. It's so good. Um, uh, I cannot reveal who I is in there because they won't tell me. <laughs> I've got oh, okay. a, a source close to the festival who's telling me lots of other stuff, um, but they won't tell me this because apparently it's like even even as of this week there was still extra musicians being added so if they're going to go along the lines of you know Jarvis Cocker then I think it's probably safe to assume there'll be other Sheffield legends involved so I'm hoping for the drummer from Def Leppard yeah I was going to say Def Leppard's got to be at the top uh, yeah Phil Oakey from the Human League Um, and his wonderful hair yeah, the guy from Baby Bird. <laughs> um, oh, Good band, you know. And the the uh, the Arctic Monkeys. Uh, I I just hope they'll be there. I hope it's the the guy they kicked out of the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, yeah, that bass player who who had who had nervous exhaustion after one tour. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be quite a spectacular night, and and um, I think that's that's sold out very very quickly. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm really really glad that I managed to get a, a ticket for it because that does sound like it'll be pretty spectacular. Yeah, and that's really a one-off. You're not going to get to see that um, anywhere else. Uh, I do feel sorry for the souls who are going down the devil's ass to watch the summit, because as much as the summit sounds uh, like an amazing piece of work, um, apparently I've, I know other people who've been to gigs and so on and so forth in there, and it's fucking freezing. <laughs> yeah, I imagine if you do go 50 feet underground into a cave, it's not going to be that warm. Yeah. They might, they might, they best dish out kind of blankets and stuff. Uh, but I think that, like, you know, when when they all come back, all all the kind of survivors of the screening are unloaded <laughs> off the coach again afterwards. So we're all kind of enjoying our kind of, you know, first night beers and stuff. And these kind of like kind of gaunt, <laughs> hollow-eyed survivors of the summit will kind of just like wander off wrapped in blankets. I imagine them coming off like an inflatable slide as well. But yeah. 
<laughs> That's just my own imagination. That's so, how I think they should get down into the devil's arse. Oh, absolutely. You just get waved in in your tuxedo, and then you just get to go down a, a plastic chute. Mm, yeah. Um, so three great opening night events, an amazing way to start the festival. Um, but yes, there's an awful lot more showing. Uh, the next uh, film on our list um, of of what's on is a film that sounds like it could be the darkest <laughs> uh, film of the entire festival. A film uh, called The Act of Killing. Um, do you want to kind of summarise that one for us, Ed? Uh, yeah, it's um, about the making of the TV series The Killing. Uh, yeah. No, it's not. Um, it's a film about the Sumatran genocide. Uh, Yay! Which, um, <laughs> yeah, the thing about Dogfest is it is a, an amazing place and with a great atmosphere, but some of the films are a bit heavy going. And what what I've heard about this one is that it's pretty um, grueling because it's uh, not just about the Sumatran genocide, but you know they interview people who were involved in it, um, who've kind of remained silent up to this point. You know, people who carried out the killings and get them to talk about it and sort of act out the actions that they took, mm. um, which sounds uh, really very harrowing, um, but also sounds like it'd be kind of an amazing thing to see. Yeah, there's, there's the the kind of hook of this documentary is that is that they give um, these the kind of like the people on these kind of death squads they give them the kind of the equipment and the crew and the artistic license to recreate what they saw and what they experienced during the genocide in kind of whatever style of film they want to do it and the film I kind of really tried not to read too much about this film because everyone I know who's seen it just said that like just not quite prepared for the effect it's going to have on you which you know that's high praise indeed um but a film that you know gets real people who who did a genocide to try and reenact it um and then according to some people i spoke to the people who are reenacting it kind of slightly lose sight of of the kind of line between fact and fiction and yeah it just kind of sounds like a very very kind of fascinating film um i think that's screening twice during the festival i think yeah it's screening on the thursday and the friday so there's two opportunities. I think I'll try and watch it on the first today because that seems like the sort of thing you really want to get and see before everyone starts talking about how amazing it is because you don't yeah. want it to kind of be ruined or built up too much. Um, yeah. I do like it. That it sounds a little bit like, have you ever seen um, Little Dieter uh, Needs to Fly, the Werner Herzog documentary? Oh, I haven't, no. Uh, that has a similar idea, which is where he takes Dieter Dengler like, to the place where he was held and he, they, he has him sort of reenact being taken prisoner by people um it's not done you know they don't do it in like different styles which is what makes uh uh the act of killing sound so sort of like different and bizarre but um it, it seems to be working along a similar sort of uh principle so i'll be interested to see how you can take that basic idea of getting people to reenact something they actually went through and the kind of adding sort of a sheen of sort of like vague sort of uh fictionalization to it mm. Yeah, so it, that sounds like the feel-bad hit of the summer, yeah. <laughs> the act of killing. Um, last year's feel-bad film was uh, the secret film we all went to with high hopes that it would be kind of something that was a lot of fun. It turned out to be a kind of grueling documentary about um, uh, albino children in Africa who were kind of richly slaughtered for their kind of to sell their parts as kind of like for black magic medicine and stuff like that. And oh, um, ten minutes in, we were like, we've we've made a huge mistake. <laughs> So it wasn't like the so the feel bad hit the summer wasn't that one about the the psychic octopus or was that the year no. before? No, that was last year. That yeah. was um, 
That was a truly appalling film. <laughs> yeah. um, next film on our list is a film that comes with a lot of buzz from uh, Sundance, uh, a film that I've been kind of gagging to see since kind of hearing about it, uh, a film called Blackfish. Uh, tell us about that one, Ed. Uh, Blackfish is a documentary about uh, SeaWorld, the um, amusement park, you know, famous uh, for you for these sort of performing animals, particularly performing uh, killer whales. Mm-hmm. Uh, also famous for the fact that some of those killer whales have li- have killed have lived up to their name. They've killed people. Yeah. Uh, you know, there have been a number of deaths over the years at SeaWorld where trainers have been killed by the the animals that they work with. And um, the documentary is about basically. It's a kind of an expose of the abuse that occurs at SeaWorld as a result of what's required to train them and how this eventually, uh, you know, has led to sort of really tragic consequences. And it sounds, you know, it, it, it reminds me of something like The Cove from a few years ago, which mm. was a great documentary, sort of like something that's dramatically very interesting, but also obviously has a very clear point to make about uh, something that is very, uh, something that could very easily be uh, stopped. So I'm looking forward to it even though i also kind of feel that it will be deeply deeply upsetting yeah it's um focuses on one whale in particular doesn't it it's kind of one whale that's been responsible for i think is it eight people who've died over the course of the years uh i saw it as three but it might have been more than that i don't know yeah i don't want to attribute murders to it (laughs) that you know it didn't we're not trying to clear we're not trying to clear cold cases here by absolutely not handing them over to that whale yeah, yeah. Um, that's screening a couple of times during the festival, isn't it, as well? Yeah, that's screening on the Friday at 6 and uh, the Saturday at 7. Ooh, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to see it, but I definitely will. Um, next up on our list is um, a film called Emptying the Skies, a film uh, that I'm kind of excited about in one sense because it sounds very interesting. It's a film about the kind of uh, underreported... Um, Wide, but wide-scale slaughter of of kind of migratory songbirds in Europe. Um, but what sets this film apart is that the kind of the centre of the film um, is the author Jonathan Franzen, uh, that most people will know from writing the modern classic The Corrections and more recently Freedom. Um, and Jonathan Franzen, I am thrilled to say, will be at Dotfest um, doing a Q and A after each screening. Um, just that setup alone makes this a, a kind of a must-see curio, doesn't it, Ed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Franz and I don't know a huge amount about him, sort of personally. Obviously, I know him from his um, his his writing. So seeing him show up in this context is is kind of bizarre, really, in a sort of delightful way. Mm. And it just it just seems to say in the program that he's just like a bird watch. He's just a fan of birds. He loves birds, so he's just like I want to make this film about these songbirds that are dying and that. And then <laughs> he's coming over to talk about it, and I think that's you know cause for celebration. Yeah, it's very uh, admirable to kind of put his uh, his weight behind uh, behind the cause. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next up on our list of things we're looking forward to at Dotfest is uh, I think somewhat of a coup for. Sheffield Dotfest because they have convinced they've maybe coaxed <laughs> Ira Glass, uh, host of the wildly popular podcast This American Life, over for a, a kind of one-on-one talk about his his work. Uh, are you a fan of This American Life, Ed? Very much so. Yeah, I, I started listening to it. Um, I think three or four years ago at this point when they did uh, they did uh, something about the economic collapse and I was just fascinated by sort of the structure of that show where 
uh, Ira Glass is kind of like the curator of the of the stories, and he kind of sometimes they'll do an episode which is entirely about one particular thing. Like recently, did one about um, patent trolling, which was uh, very interesting and uh, very relevant sort of to a podcaster because of the mm-hmm. sort of that whole thing about that company that wants to um, get all people who make podcasts to pay their money. Um, which uh, I found to be very fascinating. But usually they'll pick a theme and then they'll have uh, like a number of stories uh, built around that sometimes. It's a mixture of sort of actual reportage going out and talking to people and constructing stories. Sometimes they'll get, you know, like David Sedaris or, uh, to come in and read an essay or they'll get John Ronson to come in and read an extract from one of his books. And it's just a really uh, fascinating, fun, lively and hugely informative show. And, you know, and kind of... Uh, presiding over it all is sort of Ira Glass who's got a very keen sense a keen sense of humour and a very sort of uh, adept he's very adept at kind of moving things along and and, uh, ensuring that it's wonderfully kind of edited so um, I think it'll be really interesting to hear him talk about how exactly they put the show together because it does seem like uh, a huge amount of uh, work and effort and planning goes into these episodes that they have to put out every week because you know they've they set themselves a very strict schedule. Mm. And it's, I think you were telling me a couple of weeks ago that uh, does Ira Glass not consider himself a documentarian? He has said in the past that he doesn't like people referring to uh, This American Life as a documentary series because he thinks the word kind of connect, uh, connotates a, a sort of a dryness and sort of a boringness. So they, they consider it to be more kind of a, sort of a news or a magazine sort of show. Although he would say that the, what they do is, apart from you know when they have people come in and read um, fictional works or short stories or poems, they um, which is obviously not uh, dramatic but only kind of fits whatever their theme is. Um, mm. Their actual work is is of a documentary sort. Yeah, I've been kind of kind of bobbing in and out of um, this American Life um, for you know maybe the kind of the last year or so and I kind of I always I don't really listen to them as they come out I go back and listen to them in a kind of a random order mm. I listened to a really good one the other day called um the cruelty of children that was the theme and it was that that episode is a perfect encapsulation of of what the show is about because uh, there's a uh, a kind of a, a short fictional story about some kids who see a man who trapped down a well and whether or not to rescue him then there's uh, David Sedaris reading a very very funny essay live at a kind of a comedy club um, about being kind of bullied for being gay and then there's at the end there's a kind of interview with a scientist who was doing a, a kind of a, a research piece on children about how uh, yeah, about how they kind of share toys and things like that. It's a fascinating uh, episode. I'd recommend it. Um, the Ira Glass session is going to be hugely in demand at Dotfest because it was added late to the schedule. And because it was added late to the schedule, the only place they could put him was the chapel, which is a tiny 100-seat venue. So if you're planning to go and see Ira Glass, I would recommend queuing for a ticket early. And um, me and Ed will probably be there pushing you out of the way. But we will interview you as we're doing it. So. Yes, absolutely. We'll kind of trick you into I'll stick a microphone in your face and then, you know, Ed will sneak up and get a couple of tickets. Um, next up on our list of thoroughly thrilling entertainments is another kind of session. Um, it's uh, Adam Buxton is bringing his show Bug to the Crucible, um, a show which, uh, if anyone's familiar with the show, is about the evolution of the music video. Is that right, Ed? Yeah, he's, um, uh, you know, Madden Buxton, famously from uh, the Adam and Joe show and uh, the, the TV show and podcast. And 
uh, just a, a, a garrulous and uh, wonderfully entertaining individual. He's been doing uh, this show, uh, Bug, at the BFI for the last couple of years. He's taken it on um, and, and performed it at other venues. You know, I know that he's uh, performed in, in Manchester in the past, and this is, the, this is, I think, the first time he's come to Sheffield with it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's basically uh, evolves from his kind of love of music videos uh which he's directed he's directed musicals in the past he did one for radiohead uh a few years ago which is very famous it was one where they had like cameras mounted on the heads of uh each of the band members which was very sort of uh very intriguing um and uh he you know he plays the videos but he also you know just kind of expresses his love of sort of uh the weird uh, paraphernalia of the internet, all of the, you know, different strange things. Like uh, he was one of the first people to kind of uh, sort of latch onto sort of Psy and Gangnam Style last year, you know, mm. kind of, uh, and that's kind of the thing he's really interested in is how things become sort of hugely popular and how they disseminate through the internet. And um, he does that through comedy and through his uh, through weird things he finds online. Uh, and by all accounts, the stage show is like hugely entertaining. So being able to go there and see what he considers to be the best stuff he's done, uh, I think is, is a hugely exciting proposition. Yeah, I've only seen clips on the internet, and uh, I like what I see, and I like Adam Buxton. So uh, what could go wrong, Ed? Uh, absolutely nothing, unless yeah. his, be- his beard finally uh, takes over his entire body. <laughs> which I think is, has been uh, on the cards for some time and I'm worried he'll succumb but hopefully he'll last up until the uh, the event itself yeah and more likely um, Spanner in the works would be it selling out <laughs> yeah that's the other thing yeah but we will again be pushing people out of the way doesn't matter if you're an old lady children we're going to knock you the fuck out <laughs> we're going to get tickets for that um, next up is this is us squeezing lots of things into one uh, entry on the list is uh, what we have kind of broadly termed uh, retrospectives um, there is a couple of threads this year that are um, taking a look back at films that have um, you know already been around the block a few times but they're kind of presented in a new context we've got a retrospective of uh, is it Imamura, is that who it is, Ed? Uh, yes, Shohei Imamura, who's a Japanese filmmaker, um, probably most famous for work he did, it's sort of uh, dramatic works he did in the 60s as part of the kind of the new wave of, of Japanese filmmakers, stuff like uh, Pigs and Battleships, which was all about the relationship between um, the American and American naval base and the sort of the working class Japanese people. He's always been very interested in sort of the lower rungs of Japanese society and obviously Japanese society at the time was very sort of strictly regimented so there was obviously he was a very class conscious filmmaker very controversial uh filmmaker very uh well regarded very brilliant filmmaker but he also made uh documentaries which cover a lot of the same sort of uh area so they've got a strand of his sort of stuff like there's one uh the name of which escapes me but it's about sort of a prostitute um and sort of following her life and the one that I'm really interested in is uh, called A Man Vanishes which is all about um, investigate uh, the fact that in Japanese society, uh, society there are just cases every year where thousands of Japanese people just go missing and no one knows where they are mm. um, and then you know they might show up again they might not but you know it just happens and no one really seems to comment on it so Imamura and his uh, his crew decided they were going to try and figure out what happened to one particular one of these men and they investigated the disappearance themselves and uh, uh, I've purposely not read any further about what the film's about. All I know is that it's got a very sort of famous and remarkable um, final scene. 
So mm. I am uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what that final scene is and the, the the journey that they go on in trying to figure out how someone can just disappear from the face of the earth and no one really kind of seems to care. Oh, it sounds intriguing. Someone I'm not I'm not at all familiar with. I have to say, uh, obviously someone whose name is familiar, but uh, I will. Uh, definitely be checking some work out as a place to discover things at a film festival also in terms of retrospectives we have a really interesting thread which is they are screening as double bills which are £10 I believe to members of the public so very reasonably priced um, double bills of a film and then documentary that has been famously made about that film uh, with examples of we've got Apocalypse Now with Hearts of Darkness uh, we've got Female Trouble with I Am Divine we've got uh, The Exorcist and then we've got The Fear of God um, and uh, is that it, Ed, or was there one more? Uh, there was uh, Burden of Dreams. Uh, um, oh, no, no, uh, My Best Fiend and uh, Aguirre, The Wrath of God. They are also showing Burden of, Green, of Dreams with uh, Werner Herzog-Eats' shoe, but that's more to celebrate the life of um, Les Blank, the, uh, the documentary filmmaker who died earlier this year. Yes. Well, obviously, it's in the it's a similar sort of thing because Burn of Dreams is all about the making of Fitzcarraldo and what a lunatic um, Vern Herzog is. But um, yeah. that's they're not showing Fitzcarraldo in addition to that. But they are showing My Best Fiend and Aguirre: The Wrath of God, which are, are obviously very keenly uh, keenly uh, related films. Very very tempted to see uh, Aguirre on the last night because that's. It's in in the frame for me of of, of how to close out the festival. So I've never actually seen that on the big screen before. No, I haven't either. I've only seen it on sort of DVD on uh, tragically small screens. So the idea of uh, being able to see it uh, on a decent sized screen and you know hopefully a decent print uh, is is quite tempting. I would quite like to revisit My Best Fiend because I'm I'm absolutely fascinated with the uh, the Herzog Kinski relationship, which yeah. does seem to be uh, both very warm and friendly whenever they're not working together, and then when they are were working together. They literally were trying to kill each other. Yeah, it was batshit uh, insane. Including an instance of Herzog trying to firebomb Kinski's house. <laughs> yeah, didn't do things by half, did they? Those guys. No, they were they were fully committed to their hatred slash love of each other. Yeah, so introducing um, some of these films, we've got some pretty stellar guests. We've got uh, Mark Kermode. Uh, who will be uh, introducing The Exorcist and Fear of God. I think he quite likes The Exorcist, doesn't he? He doesn't mention it very often. No, no, it's uh, he, he keeps that low-key. Um, although I, I was very fortunate and got to interview him a couple of years ago for one of uh, his books, and um, I thought it was very funny that uh, I think we got about 20 minutes into the interview and he mentioned The Exorcist, and he just stopped for a second, and they said, what time is that? And he looked at his phone and says, oh, 20 minutes without uh, first mention. It's pretty good for me. Yeah. which I thought was quite funny yeah so uh, well he can't help but mention it <laughs> when he's introducing it this time around so that's cool I think he should try to avoid it yeah to really yeah. It's, to really kind of test himself as a speaker he'll probably only mention the devils instead <laughs> <You know what laughs> I mean? um, and then we've also got which leads us into our next point we've got uh, the um, legend that is Walter Murch is coming in to introduce Apocalypse Now and uh, Hearts of Darkness which if you fancy watching it that will be a good Five hours out of your out of your dock fest. That's a really late finish. That one, I think. Yeah, because it's uh, it's Heart of Darkness followed by Apocalypse Now, which is uh, fortunately is not the Redux version, which is both longer and worse. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the, obviously, that's you know an epic in the true sense of the word. It's you know 
people dying uh, yeah. both on and off camera, uh, <laughs> yeah. huge swathes of the countryside being destroyed, and then uh, you know right beforehand you can watch the sort of slightly leaner documentary that chronicles all the madness that went into uh, trying to create it. Yeah, before I knew what the films were, Dot First, I actually just happened to watch Heart of Darkness and uh, and Apocalypse Now back to back. So um, I will uh, probably miss those two, but I will definitely try and get along for the introductions. Uh, as we said, uh, the introduction for those two films being done by Walter Murch, he's the next thing for us to look, be looking forward to, because by golly, uh, that's a scoop, isn't it? Getting um, the man who edited The Godfather, The Conversation, uh, Apocalypse Now, who directed... Uh, podcast favourite return to us who invented the job of sound designer on a film I mean he's just an all round dude isn't he Walter Murch and um, I'm thrilled that he's coming yeah I mean they've got um, sort of people uh, you know sort of veterans to come along before a few years ago I believe was it um, Albert Mazels came along and you you did out with him Um, and uh, you know uh, you know just listing off those handful of credits there you know he's a He's an absolutely brilliant um, editor, and I think, and you know, sound editor, and I think uh, it'll be just uh, astonishing to hear him talk about, you know, even just a fraction of the, the stuff he's done over the years. He's there with the main purpose that he's got a new film called The God Particle, which is, I believe, about the kind of search for the elusive Higgs boson particle in the kind of the Large Hadron Collider. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. It's uh, all about that sort of uh, very high. Uh, theoretical uh, physics kind of thing which um, sounds uh, quite different to stuff he's done in the past really mm, yeah so if you wanted to catch uh, Walter Murch and I'm, is it Walter Murch or Merck I'm never sure uh, I've already I've always heard it say Murch right that's what we're going to go with then even yeah. if he corrects me if I ever meet, if I meet him, um, then uh, I'm just going to carry on calling him that. But he um, is going to be doing quite a lot. He's doing uh, the uh, Godfather to the God Part call. Um, that's an extended kind of Q and A, isn't it? That's on a Saturday morning, I think. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so yeah. people uh, kind of a, a career uh, retrospective sort of thing. Yeah, so he'll be kind of talking in depth about his work, everything he's done, and anyone who's seen him talk. And kind of, there was a great documentary about um, him uh, a few years. Well, I said a few years ago. When did Cold Mountain come out? Was that uh, kind 2003. Of... Yeah, there was a great documentary about him editing that because he kind of famously edited that film on Final Cut. Uh, so he wanted to see if he could edit a feature film on something you can just go walk into a shop and buy and he's a very engaging interviewee he, we, he was in side by side wasn't he and kind of had a, an awful lot to say in there and he was kind of very forthright in kind of how he sees the, the kind of evolution of those technologies and I think that would be very interesting to see his thoughts in person yeah especially as someone who's kind of presided over and you know pushed a lot of the uh, changes in the way in which films are edited and and put together, you know, to kind of get his perspective over, you know, a career of sort of five decades uh, mm. at this point would be uh, really quite something. Yeah, so he'll be doing that. He'll be doing a Q and A after each screening of the God Particle, I believe, uh, and also a Q and A after Apocalypse Now. So he's going to be very very busy. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, people should uh, try and see as much of it as possible. Try and do Walter Murch bingo. <laughs> yes. Kind of tick everything off and see if you can attend every Q and A, even though I imagine a lot of the same stuff will probably come up in each one. Yeah. It'll probably take him more than twenty minutes to mention the Exorcist as well. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, next up is uh, a kind of penultimate choice. Is something that I'm hugely excited about, um, which is um, I have to say that Sunday at Dotfest is always a very kind of a weird atmosphere because everyone's kind of like most of the people have gone and it's got a bit of a kind of ghost town feel and those of us who haven't left are kind of just running on fumes because they're just so kind of wired and tired and kind of uh, you know kind of worn out by five four four and a bit days of, of kind of greatness um but this year they're kind of putting a bit of extra effort into sunday see if they can tempt a few people to stay and one of the key events they're doing is um the band the unthanks are doing a live score uh, to a film about shipbuilding and anyone who's familiar with the music of the unthanks are you familiar with the music of the unthanks ed uh i am not no uh how, how would you describe them uh kind of uh haunting kind of northumbrian folk okay yeah so it's kind of um, there was a bit of a kind of explosion in the kind of northeast of folk in the last few years, and um, they, uh, I think they had a self-titled album um, that came out two years ago, I believe, um, which is a bloody great record. Um, they do a lot of um, uh, kind of politically charged, but historically charged music. They did a great song called uh, "The Testimony of Patience Kershaw," which is um, uh, it was actually a legal testimony that a girl had made about how she is, um, you know, the conditions she has to work down the pits under, and they set that to music, and it's an, in, you know, an incredible piece. And um, their music definitely feels like it's coming from a different time, and to have them live scoring um, a a kind of a film about shipbuilding it seems like a really really appropriate match uh, and when you say that you mean actual shipbuilding and not the Robert Wyatt song no if they just covered that for an hour that would just be hugely disappointing although that would actually be good because it's a great song or, or it was just a documentary of people talking about it and playing <laughs> a song but they're playing an entirely different song over it over the t- yeah that would just be well confusing um, <laughs> but they're not the only people who are, are live scoring obviously we've got Jarvis Cocker we mentioned before but uh, I also mentioned at the top of the show that British Sea Power who played last year um, they're actually coming back which is great to anyone who missed it last year because that, that was an exceptional um, piece of kind of music and I'm I'm kind of tempted to go again to that because obviously I do like British Sea Power they're a, a mighty fine band but um, the film with their score is screened on television a couple of times now and they've done it at a few more festivals. I'm kind of tempted to see if it's any different, if they've kind of changed it up a bit. And it's for the same film? It is, yeah. Oh, that's quite cool. I noticed that there's a few films that they are showing again, which have been shown in the past. Like, they're showing Pina again, which was shown a few years ago. Is that the Vin Vendors film, Pina? Yeah, the Vin Vendors film about um, the, the dance uh, choreographer, uh, Pina, which was basically more about the actual dance performances than it was about her career. So it was kind of a big... Uh, it was like step up two, but uh, yeah, but step up two the art, <laughs> the art, the art version. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and also I would recommend they are screening it again. It won the Youth Jewelry Prize two years ago. We are poets, a blinding film um, made by uh, Sheffield. Uh, well, he's not a Sheffield native. He just lives here, lives around the corner from me. Uh, he's a nice ah, guy. Cool. Um, but he'll be there I imagine Alex the director um, but I'd recommend seeing that because that's kind of had a cinematic release but it's still without a wide distributor um, so go and see that and support it because it's an incredible piece of work um, and yeah our final choice Ed where would we be um, without mentioning the many parties that uh, Docfest uh, kind of 
is famous for, I guess. Um, and because it is an industry festival, Dotfest, um, in the sense that you know there's not a huge amount of the general public there, although I imagine there will be this year, it's a lot of industry types. And I would say that the fun thing about the parties at Dotfest, and especially like this last year, is that you get to see an awful lot of squares kind of cutting <laughs> loose. So last year I witnessed uh, the site of um, a pretty straight-laced Scandinavian distributor who I'd been talking to uh, in the uh, England Sweden game, which screened last year at uh, one of the party venues, and he seemed like you know a very nice, respectable man. Two or three hours later, he was shirtless on stage, um, <laughs> dancing with uh, three men um, who had like Mohicans and uh, were dancing on crutches, and in they were just wearing thongs. Uh, it was quite a, it was quite a sight to behold. But that's the kind of thing you can see at a Dockfest party, and the sort of thing you would expect from someone from Sweden. Yeah, absolutely. But they are very open-minded, though. Oh, absolutely. And uh, anyone who wants to, because um, I think that party was the Sean Rowley uh, Guilty Pleasures night, which I think will be on at Penelope's uh, or the East End Bar uh, this time around. There's also on the opening night, there's the Storyville after party, uh, which runs from 10 till 3 a.m. to those dirty stopouts who uh, fancy that. Also, every year there is the Dockfest Roller Disco, which this year is... Um, David Bowie themed so um, nice. if you fancy getting your skates on and, and you know painting a red lightning bolt over your eye then you know that's the way forward yes uh, that sounds uh, fantastic I know that um, in the past that's always been uh, great and has not resulted in too many broken limbs although which yeah. is surprising because I think if you put drunk people on roller skates you're just going to have a bloodbath yeah I know some of the um the Sheffield Roller Girls and they're kind of super excited they're all going to be in attendance there and those guys, those girls they do not think twice about elbowing you in the face I was going to say if it's just a dance are they still going around just kind of <laughs> beat the shit out of each other laying people out and kind of uh, hip checking I believe is what they do but um, yeah it's you know there is um, an awful lot as we and we haven't even kind of touched the surface I mean we've only really mentioned about three films in there there is so much to enjoy at Dotfest. It is a, a great festival. And unlike other festivals, I love it because it's all condensed into like five days. It's not like the London mm. Film Festival, which, you know, is all right. But like that's spread over like six weeks or the Leeds Film Festival, which is the same. You go to a film a day, you know, whatever. This is just intense truth action. <laughs> that's, that, that should be the, uh, the strap line, I think. Yeah, I think uh, having worked it, it's fun seeing... Uh just who manages to survive until Saturday because as you say most people go away on the Sunday so Saturday I always feel that's the real hardcore, the people who Mm. are still who have gone to all the parties who have gone and seen as many films as possible and really schmoozed their way around the place Uh, if they're still standing by Saturday you kind of have to respect them a little bit yeah absolutely that'll be us this year it will be because we will be there for all of it and um, we will be trying to cover as much as we can we will be running around with microphones we will be recording our thoughts um, as they come to us we will be um, <laughs> we're recording them during films so I'll like, lean over to Ed and say this is great and we'll record that um, and then uh, yeah, we'll be uh, grabbing people and interviewing them it doesn't matter if they're like even there for the festival if they're just a cleaner or what we'll talk to them uh, we want your story so if you see us um, come along and, and kind of and say hello and we'll try and kind of um, document as much of it as we humanly can yeah I think are we going to try and put up multiple episodes over the course of the week rather than kind of splurge it all on the final day oh we'll have to I think we'll just see what comes out plus also yeah. see what time we get home in the evening 
Right, yeah. I think it's also going to be quite fun because um, we'll actually be in the same room together for the first time in the better part of a year, yet we won't sound any better. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, we, yeah. we'll be out doing field reportage. We will, yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's that's the thing I'm looking forward to is you kind of actually being in the same continent <laughs> as me, which makes recording slightly easier. Oh, I just wonder if the kind of thinly veiled animosity will <laughs> kind of, you know, will it break through and we finally have a kind of a fist fight. But yeah, um, what's your your kind of personal plan for DotFest? Are you, are you going to be trying to cram as much as you possibly can in or are you going to go for kind of quality over quantity? Because I did, I've done the last two years, the first year I went, I kind of just got a bit giddy and I just went, I went to like five films every day, but I was just, I was done. I was done after like three and a half days and I started to really kind of feel the burn and Sunday was hard work but then last year <laughs> I made a rule where I was just going to do no films starting in the morning <laughs> my right. earliest screening was like half eleven or something so uh, how are you going to approach it this year? Uh, I think I will try and really cram as much into the first three days as possible and mm. then still go and do stuff over the over the Saturday and the Sunday but uh, I think I'm going to be using Saturday and Sunday to also kind of mix in like seeing friends and things like that obviously because I'll be seeing uh, a lot of the people I uh, used to work with in Sheffield are all still in the city so I want to try and get and, and see them but you know try and work it around the festival fortunately most of them will be working the festival or attending <laughs> as delegates so it's yeah. not going to be it's going to be easier to kind of actually see everyone than if uh, they weren't but yeah, I think uh, also because a lot of the kind of the stuff that I'm really sort of keenly excited about, a lot of the, the stuff that I know I want to see going in is screen our screening over those first couple of days. Yeah. So uh, if I kind of cram those in, and then that also means that the next couple of days I can kind of more leisurely pick up on anything that um, I've heard good things about, either from you or from uh, any of our fellow kind of bloggers who will be in attendance. I, I will be uh, writing about it as well as doing the reporting things. So if anyone wants to follow um, the stuff that I'm seeing, it will be on uh, my my site, uh, Mighty Fine Blog, where I'm going to try and get stuff up every day, um, drunkenness and lateness uh, permitting. Yeah, I'm not doing that this year um, because I did that last year and writing... Uh, well, I mean, my, the tone of my blog wasn't particularly serious, but trying to be coherent at uh, like four in the morning, just it just didn't come off. So uh, this year I'll be doing a preview and a wrap-up for Hey You Guys, um, oh, cool. the website, um, so uh, you can read it on there. But other than that, I've left that shit behind. <laughs> I'm not going to be doing that. I'll just be uh, um, trying to make jokes uh, on the podcast. That's what I'll be doing. Uh, so until then, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.